Welcome everyone to another episode of Kiwi Talks. I'm honored to be speaking to someone who is a huge part of my childhood, not to mention thousands of other Kiwis. She is a legend. She is the one and only Susie Cato. How are you doing? I'm really good, thank you, Reese. It's our time, Kiora Talofa. It's our time, a special time of day. <laughs> Can't <laughs> say hello without saying that or singing yeah. it. <laughs> that is so iconic. So iconic. Did you, when you first did that, when, when you were doing the You and Me uh, program, did you record that separately in a studio and then you were just lip, lip syncing it every time or were you doing it live every single time? Every single time. So we rehearsed the program and I was using, uh, we were in Dunedin and this was the um, 90s. So we used to have the big, massive big camera with, on, on a massive big ped. And um, as smooth a floor as they could get. But as the, the ped would come around um, with the camera operator gently pushing it, as I said, oh, hello, my friend. How are you today? Come and join me. How am I? And, and the, would launch into the song. If there was a little pebble or, <laughs> or I <laughs> stuffed up my words or whatever, we'd have to go back and do it again. So we'd, we'd record as live. We had a whole editing suite up or a production suite up. Um, and we were based in the Civic Theatre in Green Island, Dunedin. So it was a massive big theatre and we had this huge stage area with my house set up in it and the garden with the hydroponic plant garden set up outside and things like that. And um, we would welcome people in and record it as live. So if you made a mistake, we had to go back to the nearest edit point to do it from there. And invariably, it was the start of the programme again. <laughs> oh, Wow. So how yeah. many takes would you roughly do? Uh, I'm very proud to say that we often only did it in one take. Well done, Susie. <laughs> yeah. Being the professional we you making, are. Yeah, and having a massive auto cue in front of you with all the words and the lyrics for the songs and things like that. But we were learning up to three new songs a day as well. As well as singing It's Our Time and See You See You Later, there was often, I'm a penguin, a p -p 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 penguin, I'm going to wobble around. Or if we were talking about, um, uh, just trying to think of a song off the top of my head that we sang, oh, um, I'm a skittle standing on the floor, waiting for the ball, but I'm not sure if it will knock me over. You know, that, that sort of thing. We would, the writer would write the script and then create a song or two to help reinforce the message. So you were learning the te reo, the words for the script, and the song, all in a very short space of time. How short would that be, though? Would you have? Oh, yeah, you might get the, you get the script the night before. <laughs> wow. Okay. Yeah. So, Look, the the songs were very very simple, and you had all the lyrics there. And I'd stand beside the musician. Or sometimes we, if it was a, a little more challenging, you'd get the music um, earlier than that. But um, it was youth as well, I think. You had all the brain cells there and you were able to pick things up really quickly and easily. So, Yeah, well, that sort of thing is, is quite rushed, isn't it? You never take your time with any type of television production or film production. It always seems like it's... Money, honey. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Fast, fast, fast. <laughs> so yeah. what about the, the bits where you'd kind of stop? So you'd be like, how are you today? And then there'd be a pause and mm -hmm. then you'd respond. Was that yeah. specifically timed? So you had to say it at specific points? Uh, whenever you asked a question, whenever I asked a question, hello, my friend, how are you today? 
you'd give them a chance to respond, knowing that some kids are either going to internalize it or be playing with their blocks and and not joining in anyway. Um, but because we had our writers, our directors, and eventually our producer were all kindergarten or preschool trained, we had the right language usage, we had um, the right conversation and the right topics and things like that. Um, so you just used your own internal conversation and held the pause for as long as you felt was appropriate. Sometimes it wasn't enough. Sometimes it was too long. Um, but generally, I got it right. How did you actually get the, the, the part there? How did that even happen? Well, how did that happen? I had been involved in a program called The Early Bird Show with Russell Rooster. Mm-hmm. And that had started at the very beginning of TV3. And so it was the first children's program, and it was one of the first actual programs on TV3. And there was Russell Rooster, there was Auntie Kitty, who was a, a Kia, there were Dan, Spike, and Oz. They were ducks, and they were the quack-ups, and they would tell jokes and, and be like a little interstitial. And the Early Bird Show was a linking program that linked all the cartoons on a Saturday or Sunday morning, linked them all together. And the story was that uh, the birds were the first to get up in the morning, so they would take over the studio before any humans got there. And, oh, what's this button? Oh, my goodness. Yo, doodle doo dudes, how you doing? Said Russell Rooster. And um, they were preparing to go on the Teenage Mutant Ninja Tour tour. Uh, Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtle Tour. And they needed somebody back at base. So they'd um, auditioned a young man, a, a boy, and it hadn't quite worked out. And I'd got talking to the executive producer um, a year prior and talked about what I'd liked in children's television presenters when I was a child. And I got a telephone call um, when they started looking for somebody again. And they said, hey, ever thought of being on television? I went, yeah, I'm your Ginger Rogers. Where's my Fred Astaire? Completely wrong genre, the whole works, no age group, the whole thing. But um, I got invited into the studio and we had a look around, got talking to the people, had a read through of the script, and I became a chook assistant, Russell Rooster's chook assistant. So most um, you know prominent businessmen or business people have PAs. He had a CA. And I was there with my clipboard and helped him kind of bring the, um, the program to life and, and connect all the information. And we would ring kids and things like that. Then I ended up with my own show called 3PM, which was another linking program in the afternoon. That's right. We had Marty Mailbox and we had competitions and the mailbox we would draw prize winners from. And we also had like an agony aunt kind of column where um, kids could write in with their issues and their problems. Well, a new, new um, commissioner came through and about nine of the children's television programs that were there's so many on at that time were axed that we had um yahoo short sports um oh gosh there were so many in focus with stephanie tuvehu um there were all of those programs got axed but one that they had continued on was you and me Hmm. now i'm not the original presenter of you and me yeah it's pauline cooper isn't it pauline cooper yeah, yeah 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 so i don't know if you ever saw the program with her on it but she left to become a presenter with um, Parents as First Teachers, which was an educational organisation of Ministry of Education, I think. 
right. and um, she left to to take part in that, and they needed somebody. So they auditioned about seventy young Kiwis, and I had just started taking singing lessons, which was ironic because I didn't know I was going to get to audition for this, and it gave me the confidence to get down there and sing, and and give things a go, and I got the job. So. Yeah, wow. that was in 1993. So when you first got into television, was it an easy transition for you? Were you easily able to kind of adapt to, to that world? Uh, Being in front of a I camera didn't... and all that all that jazz? Uh, that... Oh, I guess so, because I'm still there. So. <laughs> well, yeah, I mean, you always seem like a natural whenever I saw you on television. So I'm yeah. just wondering if it was always like that from the get-go. Um, well, if you look at some of my, oh, excuse that noise. Don't know if you heard that, the coffee machine on the other side of the room. <laughs> <laughs> um, the, um, I guess what it was, I've been in radio for, for, for several years. Yeah, that's and when right. you're in radio, you are behind the microphone and you are envisaging the people that you're connecting with. Mm. So, um, to transition through to the camera, wasn't too dissimilar because you're still imagining who you are talking to except for instead of it being you know a businessman or um, a mum out shopping or a family getting ready if you're doing the breakfast show type thing um you are envisaging a little person perhaps perhaps if it's in the early morning the way you and me was six o'clock six thirty in the morning they might be just getting out of their pajamas and they've got marmite on their face and they've got crumbs everywhere and they're rubbing their little blurry eyes and things like that so you're imagining that and you're trying to get that child to to smile so um yeah it was it was fun and it was easy and I don't know why or how but it just was so I feel very fortunate yeah yeah and it seems like Susie's world was the next easily trans um transition from that yeah well the funding came to an end for you and me and at that time the uh new zealand on air basically approached me and said what would you like to do next and we got talking with the broadcaster and because it had worked so well i had such a good connection i was out most weekends um doing live shows a lot of fundraisers for kindergartens and preschools and um play centers and toy libraries and things like that and I was around the country I do a 25 minute live show and then a photo opportunity afterwards and I was just connecting with so many people it was amazing and um I they said what would you like to do next and I wanted to carry on on an educational vein because so many people said when I was heading to preschool with you and me isn't that a step backwards shouldn't you be going off and doing the weather or a game show or something like that um but for me, having connected with the audience through the likes of 3PM and the letters that we answered as part of our letterbox um, with three letters about abuse and asking for assistance, I went, wow, there was something so much more to this medium than I had ever appreciated as a young 21-year-old who was like, whoa, being paid to have fun. So um, I really wanted to carry that on and be able to connect with some information and some value and some use for for kids and families and um so encouraging kids to get involved in their environment to look at the the world around them to question and to to watch the program and then wow go outside and take a magnifying glass or you know get some baking soda and some vinegar and make a mess you know that kind of thing 
was just like a perfect transition for me. Mm. Were you more hands-on with uh, Susie's World than you and me in terms of the behind-the-scenes stuff? Yeah, uh, with you and me, I would rock up, present, and then head away again. And I was in Dunedin for two weeks of every month for five years. So I'd fly down to our studio and have a little um, flat down there in Dunedin and then come home and thaw out up in Auckland for two weeks and then go back down and do that again. (laughs) And I did that for for five years. So um, with Susie's World, I actually set up my own production company and I was a writer and uh, script editor to begin with and then uh, eventually took over more and more of the the role. I always got directors in, but I became more the executive producer myself, producer, yeah. So, um, yeah, which was really... I was going to say, that sounds very time-consuming if if you were that heavily involved behind the scenes as well as being in front of camera as well. Oh, yeah, and an amazing learning curve to learn. You learn how to be a presenter on the job. I learned how to be a producer on the job as well. So um, it was incredibly time-consuming, and we didn't even consider having a family at that stage. I bet. (laughs) Because it was, yeah, it was just too full-on. But... um, but it just when you surround yourself with such amazing people and such energy and such talent, the the team it can't help but be good because and we we also looked after them and made sure that you know army marches on its stomach so there was always a, a big kai at lunchtime and we looked after our our whanau really well and um, it had been really exciting to see what those people have gone on to do after yeah. they've left Susie's world you know, all the um, props designers and writers and editors and things like that it's been really good a lot of them have come straight from south seas film and television school so we were taking graduates and giving them their first job um but the enthusiasm and the energy and the can-do spirit is something that you really need in children's television in particular because the budgets are generally so small and the uh the imagination of the kids you can do so much with them and take them on these wild journeys via their imagination with all only household items. So, um, you know, it was, it was really exciting to be able to do that. Yeah. But, uh, I was going to ask, cause like, because you've become so synonymous with, uh, educating, educating children and children's television, like, do you sometimes feel pigeonholed as a result? Or, I mean, it seems like you've been able to do so many other amazing things. But do people still refer to you and think of you as the you and me uh, presenter, the Susie's World presenter, or have you managed to kind of avoid being typecast? Um, I don't know. Uh, I guess that depends from person to person. And the fact that I have done things like Dancing with the Stars and um, I'm now a contributing writer for Woman magazine, Oh, but I I, it's, it's wow. yeah, I've, I've uh, Woman magazine uh, came about after lockdown, after the second lockdown. It was um, the first magazine came out in October. So I write an article with them. It's a parenting column. So <laughs> I guess it's been me as much as anybody else that's kind of pigeonholed me. And I've been really happy in that little niche because it's it's something that I jo- enjoy. I really love communicating via whether it be Facebook or um, Instagram or YouTube or whatever. I love connecting. Um, and I guess I am best known for reading stories, singing songs, 
you know, that kind of thing, performing for kids. It's where I've been really, really happy. But it's also been good to actually branch out, be behind the scenes. Um, I After Susie's World, I had um, created with Constable Brian Ward a program called Brian and Bobby, which do you remember Constable Keith and Sniff years ago on What Now? Yes. Sniff had yes. a really rough voice. Yes, yeah. yes. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So I um, got talking to to Brian at a kids event. It was out at Middlemore Hospital, a, a Christmas event for their um, their children's kids first hospital. And we just went, wow, wouldn't it be great to connect with kids and give them really good community safety messages? There's never been anything after Sniff. And um, he was really keen on the idea. It was his idea, basically. And he said, I said to him, well, look, you go and get yourself a little sock toy or something like that. And and have a go and take it into the classrooms and see how it works. Well, he went that much better and got funding from local Rotary and had the prototype for Bobby made, which he then took through classrooms. And it was so successful that we put a proposal into TV3 and secured funding ourselves and made three series of Brian and Bobby, which is now a resource kit used in country and in, in schools throughout the country and still is all these years later. Um, so the I then formed a, um, a children's radio show because I was a announcer on Big FM here in Auckland for a short space of time while the, the station was on air. And I thought, oh, the programming's great. The music's fantastic. It is missing a children's program, though. So we created that with New Zealand on Air funding. And 14 series later, about 14 years later, we are still on air on 26 radio stations around the country. Wow. Um, yeah, so a lot of the little um, access stations or regional stations, which are so community-focused and, and orientated. In Hamilton, we're on um, Free FM. Yep. So, um, yeah, so Saturday or Sunday mornings, majority New Zealand content, which we've grown from a, like 50-50 to almost 80% New Zealand content with all the singer-songwriters with Kiwi Kids Music. And... Um, all the kids' voices that we're using, the book reviews, the jokes, the stories, you know, all those sorts of things. And you've got to have the gold classic story in there. So just recently we had um, uh, Little Toot. We have a flick the oh. fire engine and, you know, all those sorts of things. So, yeah, great. Great. Something for kids of all ages, basically. Yeah. Well, it sounds like you've done everything then. What, what have yeah. you done? <laughs> <laughs> Oh, there's still a few more things. Otherwise, I will have to kick that bucket. No, I have to grow the bucket and make it into a barrel list instead. <laughs> yeah. So with a lot of these gigs, do you approach them or do you get approached? Like, say we're dancing with the stars. Mm -hmm. Like, how did that happen? I got a telephone call. And oh. I went, oh, really? And it said yes, really, before I actually gave it much consideration because I'd watched it previously and it looked like so much fun. It was also such a challenge physically mentally emotionally and um, as I said many times during Dancing with the Stars I hadn't even walked prior so when I got the the telephone call and they said would you be interested I went okay and donned my walking shoes and shorts and started walking just so I could have some fitness to start dancing because I was doing dance training you know six or seven hours a day um, wow. once it started yeah so not as much as some of the others were doing, but I also had the commitments of the radio show, two kids, um, various other projects that I had on the go. Um, I helped found a, an organisation called Kiwi Kids Music. We've got over 100 singer-songwriters who are a part of the association now. And it's an organisation 
of singer-songwriters who live in New Zealand who write music for kids because the New Zealand music industry was the greatest kept secret for many, many years. And the children's music industry was definitely so. But, you know, we've grown it exponentially and the songwriters are doing so well internationally as well as here in New Zealand. So um, I was chair for about six years. I resigned last year after home learning TV and the busyness of lockdown. Oh, my goodness. Lockdown was, we were all preparing for lockdown and I was buying face packs and crafts for the house, you know, things like that. We were going to do paint pots and, you know, start redecorating and, and all the things we wanted to do in the six weeks. But I had also reached out to the Ministry of Education to say, hey, there are all these episodes of Susie's World. Would you like those to be a part of whatever you're planning to do for kids? And they said, oh, would you like to actually assist and make some more content? Yeah, I'd love to. So that put paid to all the ideas of home decorating and stuff like that. In fact, we're still mopping up the mess of, of six weeks of intense filming. My husband had to learn how to set up the lights and we just bought a couple of little cameras. So we had to learn how to do those, uh, use those. Um, editing outside of the house became too difficult. So I then said to him, oh, sweetheart. You know how you're doing all this? Can you now add editing to your list? So he had to download a program and learn how to do that. So the hours were long. We were up at 6.30. We were um, off to bed at midnight, you know, 1 o'clock, 2 o'clock, one morning. It was 4 o'clock in the morning. We missed the deadline of delivery for the next day. But um, loads of challenges in that we didn't have the highest spec equipment. So rendering any of the content that we'd filmed or uploading it just took so much longer and if you had a fail you know a little technical glitch or something like that you had to restart it so things which now I'd only take like a matter of 45 minutes or four minutes or something like that to upload can could would have taken about four hours so yeah there was so such an intense learning curve and so much work came out of home learning tv that um we're still on this crazy dance now and I'm doing so much more public speaking and um, have been the narrator for the New Zealand Symphony Orchestra for their series uh, school series with Peter and the Wolf all things that in my 30 years of being in television had never experienced before so I'm constantly finding by shoulder tapping um, people coming contacting me saying hey do you want to be a part of this I'm getting so many opportunities but I'm also seeking opportunities myself so um the likes of Kiwi Kids Music. I hadn't been the chair of anything before, but because I'd started the ball rolling, I learned so much about being on a board and, and setting up a trust and things like that by, by just doing it. And when you don't know what you're getting yourself into, it's really easy to say, yeah, I'll do that. <laughs> so you don't really in investigate too much before you agree to do something. You just do it and then work it out later? Yeah, well, it's a gut feeling, I guess. Mm. And... Um, and then, yeah, I, I guess the, with the likes of Dancing with the Stars, you have an appreciation. I didn't speak to anybody prior. I didn't find out the pitfalls of it um, because I wanted to share that journey. Um, and I, that's why I didn't, I didn't do any dance lessons other than I um, asked my nephew, who is a dance teacher, whether he would take me for a couple of rounds around the dance floor to make sure that I didn't stand on his toes too many times and that I could actually remember the dance moves um, so that I could really give it 
give it half a chance, but I only had a couple of lessons with him. Whereas I, perhaps some other people took more serious dance lessons before they put their hand up for it. But, um, but I thought, you know what, if I'm doing this, I'm doing this as the average Kiwi doing it. And I will take them on the journey with me as far as we go. And I think I got to week seven, which was pretty jolly good. Yeah. Cause do you have a, I'd imagine you'd have a pretty good memory muscle memory from all the years of what you're doing so when you were learning these dance routines was it hard for you to remember the routine or did you get it down quick oh so if some of them got them down really quick particularly if they were partner dancing because then my partner could then say left no other left as we careered around the floor <laughs> <laughs> and you know the subtle movements with the hand pressure on the back or the um on the palm of the hand of where we were going to next. I was like, oh yeah. And th those first couple of dances, you had weeks to actually practice them. But the further you got into the competition, you came off the dance floor, you were given your new piece of music and you started learning. And, you know, hats off to all the professional dancers with their celebs who had to start from scratch and work with the um, limitations of their celebrity. So I wasn't brave enough to put any of the lifts or anything like that, which some of the other celebs were. So the, the, even in the opening title scene, somebody was being thrown over somebody else's shoulders and I went, oh, you know, <laughs> don't do that to me. I'm afraid of heights. Don't drop me. So I didn't actually get to do any of those lifts. So he had to work out what we could do that would be try and achieve the same kind of wow factor that a lift and a throw over the shoulder might do. Mm. So, um, yeah, he was quite challenged, that chap. He was amazing. <laughs> I bet he was. Are you quite a competitive yeah. person? Was there a competitive uh, aspect of it? When you you have to be competitive. Yeah, yeah, you have to be competitive. But I wouldn't say that I'm necessarily competitive. If I get told I can't do something and I really want to, then I will knuckle down and give it a jolly good go. But um, I don't look for competition normally. So, but you did have to be, you did, you did want to succeed and you did. And I loved the hair and the makeup and the dresses and, and the actual sense of whānau that we had. We were all pretty much within the same one dance studio. So as one hobbled out with um, blisters all over their heels or whatever from their dancing shoes, we were all passing each other the liniment or the sticking plasters or, hey, I've got a spare apple or, you know, have a lolly type thing. Whereas in previous years, I understand that there was a little more competitive that people weren't as close. But we had we had a, a, such a great environment; it was so much fun. Yeah, it looked like fun. I mean, most mm. of the, I, I'm, most of the people I see on that show look like they're having fun, which is the main yeah. thing, right? Yeah. Yeah. Oh, definitely. Apart from the sprained ribs and sprained ankles, you know, all that. Oh, well, there's always in injuries, yeah. isn't there? Oh yeah, 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 yeah. Oh, that's yeah. all part of it. Oh yeah, of course, of course. Mm. So in the face of technology and the way it's changed from the 90s to now and how, you know, we have the internet and there's all this social media, as a presenter, you probably care a lot about what children are exposed to, right? You mm -hmm. want to make sure that, you know, they're, they're protected. And with the age that we're in, and as a parent yourself, how do you navigate this stuff? I mean, I've I've often asked uh, a few people. I'm like, as a parent, like, when would you let your kid have a phone? When would you let your kid be on social media? Mm. And um, I mean, you can get so many different responses. 
But yeah. as someone who's um, who's in the industry and and knows quite a bit about it, like what what do you think? What are your thoughts? Well, it's I do know a bit about it, but you know it's it's constantly changing. So you're having to to uh, remain on top of things as best you can. Um, for us, the kids didn't get a phone until they were taking a public school bus or, or public bus down to school, and um, that gave them a sense of security it gave us a sense of security as well and uh, because by then I had started a a great number of projects that I and my husband weren't necessarily going to be able to do all the pickups and drop-offs and things like that Um, but we limited what apps they could download and what groups that they could chat on and things like that Um, as they get older I've got a child now in year 12 and um, year nine so my youngest is now year nine um, they they need to be able to be responsible for their own actions. So we certainly monitored what was going on on the computer and um, uh, the phones and things like that when they were much younger. When they were use, utilizing the computer at home for homework, it was on the dining room table. It was in a place in the lounge where we could see. And we talked about how they could protect themselves. One of the trickiest things with YouTube, say, is all the opportunities, all the um, potential links that will recommended viewing down the side. Look, I don't know how they work out the algorithms, and it would be wonderful if there was uh, a sense of age and that those kids would be protected more easily. And you can do that with kids' content, um, YouTube kids. Mm. That is well, well um, catered for. But... Um, you can just click on anything. How many times have you gone, oh, I recommend a view and click on that, which looks really uh, innocuous and fine, totally. and then bang, you end up seeing something that you can't unsee. So, but I had that when I was um, researching for Susie's World. We did a program on tickling. Can you tickle yourself? And we did a program on sneezing, and I was the writer for that. And um, you searched up sneezing, and bing 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 all these fetish sites popped up i had no idea of anything like that what and um it was quite unfortunate because we had um susie's world and my website was susie.co.nz which i'd already had for a number number of years um we had a whole lot of kids searching for susie's world which happened to be the site of a um an enterprising young woman overseas who had a whip and high-heeled boots and fishnet oh stockings and things gosh. like that. So I had a whole lot of parents saying, oh, can you change the website? I said, but we contacted them, but it would have cost vast amounts of money and things like that. And there was something beyond our scope of being able to, to change. That site's no longer there, thank goodness. But um, I don't know what you get when you, you search that now. But um, yeah, the, even back then when the internet was really just in its infancy, there was still so much to navigate for kids. So as far as, as it recommendations go, it's, it is about talking to your kids constantly, keeping that line of communication open so that when they do see something or come across something that they, they perhaps don't, would rather they hadn't seen, then they talk to you about it and they can start to process. It's the same with um, watching things on TV though. Um, kids programming and then you've got, well, this is with traditional terrestrial um, content you've got the promos for the late night horrors or the um yeah 
the you know all those sorts of things coming through in children's programming and it's just unfortunate the way that has been programmed that that sort of thing happens but making sure that you talk with your children and not just talking it's actually listening so listen to your child and sometimes it's even the subtle things that they're not telling you will give you a bit of a clue to uh, how they might need to process things a little bit more because mm. I was thinking like even with Disney because they've got Disney Plus, the streaming app, and they've just added mm. a new section called, I think it's called Star, and you have access yes. to all these, yeah, to the, all these M-rated and R-18 films mm. that are on the same app now as, you know, all the all the Disney stuff, and it's like, okay, well, this is another thing to worry about if you're a parent because you have to make sure that they don't get into yeah. any of that stuff. Yeah, I mean, it's just never um, ending, is it? Yeah. Net Guard, not Net Guard, what's the, um, oh, the internet safety we've got here in New Zealand? It's on the top of my, t- my, my um, tongue. NetSafe. NetSafe. They are, have a fantastic website with a whole lot of points and tips for how to safeguard your computer and your smart TV and things like that from, um, yeah, so that you can put basically kitty locks on things. So that would be worthwhile going and checking out. Um, but again, it's, it's communicating with your kids, explaining why that you, that why the, the content's not that um, they're not ready for that content yet, basically. And for that, for my two, that worked. That worked. They weren't big on um, scary movies and that sort of thing. So hey, we won't watch this. We will save this when we can all watch it together or when you're ready. And um, yeah, so that worked for us, but it's not going to work for every, every child, unfortunately. Some of them are a little bit more curious and a little bit more adventurous. So do investigate the, the kitty locks um, for your internet um, and just supervise the kids a lot more. Um, be aware of the, of the chat rooms that they're going into as well. There are some that are just a little bit more dangerous than others. Yeah. And yeah. What about Without when listing them. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> what about when they're teenagers, right? Because I remember when I was a teenager at school mm. and I got bullied a lot. And this was prior to the whole phone thing, prior to social media. And I kind of feel that's probably made it worse, you know, because there's the expectation now if, if my friends have a phone or they're on Facebook, then I need to be on Facebook. And then obviously people can what is it, text bullying or cyber bullying? Oh, yeah, cyber bullying, yeah. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, and that is so difficult because it's unseen. It's not like it's being yelled across the playground. It's there in your hand and it's in your most intimate spaces, your bedroom, your, you know, you've got this jolly screen only inches away from your face and it can be so intense. So I guess it's about um, future-proofing your child by helping them be as confident and letting them know how loved they are. It doesn't matter what mistakes they make, what they do, you will always love them. You might not like their behavior and you can work with them on that, but it's about always them always knowing that you love them and that you will support them unconditionally. And um, and again, talking with them all the time, what's going on, what's happening, you know. Um, as their teens, they are a little bit more protective of their phone. For um, a number of years, we were able to have the same password <laughs> and actually check in every now and then and make sure that, you know, the conversations were all as they should be. 
but we are very fortunate with our two that we have great communication with them. And um, it's often as we are going in to say goodnight to them and our eyes are starting to droop ourselves that we hear, Mom, can we talk? And you go, okay, yep, oh, okay. <laughs> you brace yourself for, and it might not be what's going on in their life, but it could be what's happening in the playground that they've seen that they don't enjoy or um, something that they've... Oh, look, Instagram is really good for... Um, not Instagram, TikTok is really good for connecting kids with a whole whole lot of information. Again, a lot of it's is quite fine, but it can bring about conversations that you haven't actually already instigated with your child. So um, if you can try and be in the same um, platforms as your child just to get a sense of what it is that they're doing, follow the similar um and that's if they'll allow you when, they, when they're teens, follow the same kinds of people that they're getting their information from. But um, and just keep talking around the dinner table, in the car, um, anywhere you can. Go for walks, spend time with your kids and just get to know them more. We're um, connecting a lot at the moment with um, Connect Four while watching TV and having a, a chat that way. But I know yes. other folks that that are go and have a spa after dinner. We don't have that luxury, but um, but that's been, they've found that that's been a great way to connect with the kids. Or when you um, drive them off to um, an event or sports or something like that, is just check in with them that way. Uh, sometimes a carload of kids are the best way to find out what's going on too, because they kind of forget that you're in the car. You're like some Uber driver or taxi driver. <laughs> All this conversation goes on around you. You can just quietly sit there and listen. <laughs> Yeah, take it all in. Because how mm, do you stay on yeah. top of all the trends and everything? Because I'm, I'm finding as I get older, I don't understand a lot of the stuff that the young, younger people are into. And so I'm trying sure. to stay on top of what's going on, what's the new trend. And, you know, I, I've heard as you get older, you get more stuck in your ways. And everything you look at that's new, you're kind of like, hmm. I mean, I don't know if that's fully true, but that was just something that I heard. <laughs> yeah, well, as, as an older person that I can say yes, because some of this newfangled music, oh, my goodness, <laughs> that's not music. <laughs> well, I, yeah, find, uh, look, I, I say that. I say that now, too. I'm like, oh, what's this music? This isn't real music. Yeah. Yeah. And then I'm like, oh my gosh, I'm like what my dad used to say to me, you know. Yes, 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 yes. You hear yourself. Oh, that was my mum. Oh my goodness. Um, well, the thing is, when you've got kids, they help you stay on top because uh, they're they're using the language. They're, hey, mum, check this out, and they're showing you something on their phone. Um, mm, okay, well, now I've got a TikTok account, and I've got two dances that I started doing in um, the first lockdown. I haven't got back there since, but. <laughs> But yeah, it is about, I guess, if you're on social media, you are finding out those sorts of things anyway. And I have to do that for, for work. I don't know that I'd necessarily be on the platforms if I didn't have to do it for work. But it's part mm. of being a television presenter and connecting. So um, it's also a part of the requirement from New Zealand on air that I need to have a be multi-platformed presenter so that I can report on it each quarter oh. as I get my next funding round. So. Yeah. Oh, is that how it works? That's interesting. Mm. Yeah. And that's one of the reasons why I started my YouTube channel was as part of the reporting system, I needed to be multi-platformed and podcast would be a normal transition for radio. 
And I went, well, we could put up podcasts for the kids or we could start a YouTube channel. So I'd already started putting up a bit of um, Susie's World, a few episodes of Susie's World, and there was a, a, an episode or two of you and me up there as well. But I started creating content and getting kids to come in and do the art and crafts and things like that with me. And just recently, I've started a story reading because during lockdown, that was so much fun. Um, we're sitting on the table one, that first Friday night. See the kids, we can't get takeaways. This is a bit different. Think of all those people that are normally heading out for an evening. They can't go anywhere. wonder if they need a bedtime story. And they said, yeah, go for it, mum, go for it. So we set it up in this corner here. And I read Johnny Danger by local author Peter Millett. And it's a kid's book. but And I had kids tuning in, but I set it for 10 o'clock at night. <laughs> so all those older kids who would normally be out, uh, and I had people in their 30s or 40s tuning in as well, just to hear a voice that they recognized, reading them a story and doing something different for them. So um, how did I get to that? Where, where, what, what question did you, you ask talking, me? You're, I you're, <laughs> we, it's all right. It's a good segue. Uh, so we were talking about social media and then you were talking about oh, right. TVNZ, like the funding and needing the analytics, I suppose, for the different social media yes. accounts. And then you segue yep. to YouTube, which then yep. segued to obviously you doing your book. Yeah, which it was all on social media, Facebook. I had two two phones going, um, Facebook and uh, Instagram, and <laughs> I tried to do both just to connect with the audience, which it was quite well received. I just ran out of time. So, um, yeah, I'll have to, to, to come back to that. So do you – sorry, I was going to just ask. No, does no, does no, uh, TVNZ – is it TVNZ or NZ on funding? Um New Zealand on air. Yeah, New yeah. Zealand on air. What am I on about? Uh, New Zealand on air is funding. Do do they look at the analytics and you look at the analytics together, or do you do it separately? Do you look at the analytics uh, at the, all? I send. I like. I look at the analytics and I send reports to them, um, uh, uh, grabbing out the information that they require. So oh, right. um, I perhaps I should perhaps work with the analytics a little more, but. That's the boring part. I'd rather make the content and. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Well, I mean, because I look at mine and it's fascinating looking at some some of the stats, the statistics, mm. like, because yeah. the 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 audience, the demographic will be very different from say YouTube to say TikTok, right? I mean, TikTok oh, sure. is skewed to more of a younger audience. Uh, I think Instagram is a bit older. And then like, YouTube's all over the place. I mean, some of the people that mm. watch my videos on YouTube are from Russia and India. And I'm like, how's this happen? It's weird. Mm. <laughs> so yeah. so they're, listening, they're listening to podcasts elsewhere and then you pop up in that recommended viewing. Yeah, that's right. Yeah. It's weird how the algorithm works for different social media platforms. Oh, There's a whole, whole art to the marketing of it, eh? Yeah, well, I'm actually um, tempted to do a, a, a little course. I, I believe there's one coming up that's like a 10-weeker where you can kind of pressure cook, which is something I should have done years ago, but it's finding time. It's finding the time to do all these things, which is yeah. when you have a big production company, you're employing those people to do those sorts of things for you. That's but right. I've pretty much been a, a one-person band, and I've roped my husband in from time to time whenever I can to say, hey, can you do this for me? <laughs> yeah. yeah, I've been very grateful for do you ever get uh, time to stop and smell the roses, so to speak, though? Because it sounds uh, like you're just always going, 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 going. 
I mean, obviously, you probably, yeah. well, even during lockdown, I suppose you were still going. Yeah. So I've enjoyed um, the little mini lockdowns this year that Auckland's had because I wasn't making home learning TV or anything like that. Um, but yeah, it, it's really important for me to be able to spend some time with the kids. So every meal we're um, we're together that we can. And instead of having them head up on the bus and things like that, I am picking them up from school or running them here, there and everywhere. Um, my daughter got a, a summer job and up in Albany. So either her or either myself or my husband drove her because that's a good 20 minutes drive where you can just actually sit and chat. It does put pressure on you for your own work. You've got to try and cram it all in. But for us, it's it's only a number of years before she's leaving the nest. So we're making the most of every moment that we can. Mm. And likewise with our son. Yeah, so um, he we actually homeschooled him. Um, and I think lockdown has given me more of an appreciation for making that time instead of, oh, there's always next weekend, there's always. Now I'm looking at my schedule going, oh, I'm not actually working this weekend. Do I set up the studio for doing something for YouTube or do I actually go, oh, guys, let's go for a bike ride or, or something like that. Mm. And I know a lot of other people are now starting to to do that a little bit more too. It's um, They enjoyed that with their family or themselves if they didn't have family during lockdown to have the time to walk to go on some you know walk along the beach and all those sorts of things that they're making more time for that now than ever before which is so good of course there are others who I mean all of last year and the first part of this year it was like catching up with the work that I had postponed with um, home learning tv um, and then I've had so many fantastic opportunities that I've crammed it all in but now that it's just naturally, the calendar is just naturally a little lighter, I'm not looking for as many opportunities as I was before. I'm going, yay, let's make the most of this. Mm. If there's one good thing I'll say that's come out of COVID, it's the ability, I think, that uh, of people being able to work remotely mm. because it allows people more time. I mean, I know from living in Auckland that Traffic just makes commuting very difficult, right? I mean, yeah. it just has it gotten better since the lockdowns? Is there more people working from home? Uh, okay, it's still terrible. terrible. <laughs> okay. Look, surprisingly, today, Friday, I don't know whether people are going, oh, no, it's we're working from home Friday. This morning, the traffic was fantastic. But um, two days ago, it was a nightmare. You think first thing in the morning, why it's not like there's. Um, racing in the afternoon shouldn't affect the morning traffic maybe it did i don't know the weather was fine you kind of kind of take all that into consideration but some people are working from home more more and more of us are but Reese, there's also a downside to that because instead of the car ride where they listen to the radio or a podcast or chatting to somebody in the car they're starting to work straight away and because they've got interruptions like the washing or kids at home during lockdown um they were working longer hours so they were using the commute time to work working more longer hours invariably they if you are in the office and you get up to go to the toilet people can see you're not at your desk but invariably you're at home you go to the toilet somebody's going to ring and there's there's um i've got a friend who's working with companies uh for their staff's well-being and they she did that all through lockdown through the various lockdowns and not just here in New Zealand but also around the world and um, 
working from home has had its benefits for about 80% of the people, but for the others, or yeah, maybe 80, 85, but for others, it has impacted on them greatly because if they're living at home by themselves, that work, whether it was the commute and the bus being a part of, oh, faces that you recognize on the bus getting off to work, or whether, you know, it's the people around you at work or that coffee shop that you're going to share a smile with. You know, that, that's that human connection that so many people are missing out on, particularly those, not so much here in New Zealand anymore, but those overseas who are still in lockdown and are missing that human connection. Um, it's yeah, it's a valid pretty point. daunting. Mm. Mm. And you kind of, you don't want to always be at your work and personal space to both be in the same place because then yeah. it's harder to differentiate them as well, right? Yeah. Yeah. yeah, several several friends of mine who had worked in business environments would put on their suit, particularly on a Monday morning, to get them in the mind frame, even though they were just going to their dining table, or they'd set up a, a table of sorts in the garage just so that they could leave the house, close the door, and be in a completely different environment. But just even changing your clothes can make a big difference. Getting out of your pajamas and brushing your hair and your teeth and things like that makes a, a big difference in getting out getting outside into the garden, getting out for a walk, whatever. So, so important. Mm. So are you able to separate the two? So say, obviously, you're in your little uh, book corner there. Yeah. I'm, yeah, that's, that's, in, that's in your house, right? Yeah. Yeah, 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 yeah. 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 But are you able to separate the two? Especially during well, lockdown, difficult... were you able to? Able to sorry. Well, I've, yeah. well, I've worked from home since the kids – well, I've always worked from home – I haven't had a production studio outside of since since you and me's finished. We've pretty much worked, had a home office and worked. So I've been doing that for 20 years, long time. Um, so it's just natural for me. So when the kids were upstairs as babies asleep in their bassinet, I was down here working, nipping upstairs to check on them, you know, all those sorts of things. And then I found as um, they were older, six o'clock bedtime, We'd had dinner with them, we'd bath and had fun, we'd read stories, they'd gone to bed, straight downstairs to carry on working. And that has become part of my life. Um, so do I separate? I guess I do separate it, definitely. It's, you just get used to it, I guess. Mm -hmm. yeah. For some reason, and I always thought your Tree Hut uh, production company was, you'd have an office somewhere else. But it's actually, um, well, it, makes, it, makes a, it makes it better, I suppose, for you. Yeah, sure. While yeah. we were making Susie's World, we had a studio set and it was set up in, in the likes of South Seas Film and Television School. And they've still got some of the set elements. They've still got the, the purple corrugated wall and, and things like that. I don't know if you remember. You'll have to Google that one now. Go and have a look on my YouTube. Will do. Will do. Yeah. And um, yeah, <laughs> they, they still have elements of that. And we did have a, an office set up there. But I also had the office at home. Um, and it was more Brian and Bobby, actually, that I had the office at home. Um, Susie's World, we did end up... No, the first series of Susie's World we had out of this this um, rumbus room, actually. My husband had staff here, and I had staff here, and it's the size of a handkerchief. It was really close. But when you've got a budget that's only tiny anyway, it's a pocket handkerchief, and you're working with Monopoly money, it was how you deal with things. So, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Money. yeah. So, what, what's, so what's on the horizon in terms of future projects for you? Well, 
last year during lockdown, I released two books. I spotted one before. So I've got uh, Tefano Kauri and um, the Kauri family, which is released with Scholastic and New Zealand and um, has a song with it. Um, what's that big? Can you see? I wonder what that thing can be. Or Hea Hakaurikitena, Hea Hatera Meno Ora. So that's the, the Te Reo version. I released a book with Itty Bitty Beats um, just before Christmas called um, Christmas and Summer. And I have another book coming out with Scholastic later this year. And um, I have coordinated the New Zealand Children's Music Awards for the last few years for um, APRA New Zealand and um, Recorded Music New Zealand and have built a kids event around it. So we're not heading into lockdown at the moment. So that's a go ahead. Um, last time, <laughs> exactly. Um, so we're, we're currently building that. And um, there's a few other little projects on the go, which maybe I can come back and talk to you about them then. But at the moment, there's nothing that I can share that um, because it's not, not set in concrete yet. But um, yeah, there are a few things on the go, which are for both children and families, and then some others that are... Uh, more aligned with the with the with the older audience, which mm. is quite exciting as well. That's cool. Okay, so you, mm. you have got a lot on. When you're writing these books, how long do they take? And oh, you... well, see something something yeah. like this was was the song first. Oh, and you wrote the so, song first, and then yeah, from I that... wrote the song. Yeah. Oh, okay. And it's a song that I wrote with Arthur Basting, who unfortunately passed away before the book was released. Oh. But he has been a singer songwriter or a songwriter for many many years. And this song in particular was based on a song that had come out of um, Australia called um, The Gumtree Family with um, an amazing preschool presenter and, and personality of it in her own right. Um, she had released it with them. Arthur, Arthur's writing partner, Peter Dacent, is another amazing Kiwi who's now based in Australia and has been for many years. And they've been writing together for years. So we had just adapted the song and made it. Um, with a Kiwi focus on the Kauri tree instead of the Australian gum tree. And um, I've written an album's worth of songs that I've yet to release with Arthur and Peter, but also the song Sprinkle a Little Sunshine um, with Kath B, which the music video's got over 90,000 views on it and things like that, and it's sung through schools throughout the country and, and so on. Very different to writing a song and creating it into a book than it is to all those years ago creating a oh, book wow. series. So there's Susie the farmer, Susie the doctor, Susie the scuba diver, Susie the police officer, and I had ABCs and one two threes and things like that. Um, very different. But what I did with these stories, which was so cool, was the first page is Susie playing with her toys. So I don't know if you can see that there. Yeah, yeah. She's yeah. um, but that that's the farm animals. And then uh oh, the bottom drops out of the box, and she needs to find a farmer to help corral all the animals. So she puts on things from her wardrobe, her gumboots and her hat, and then is transformed into a world of imagination where she becomes the farmer. And there she is, she's off sorting out the animals. And at the back of the book, in the last cut page, she um is back in her bedroom, tidying up and putting things away. The same with the, 
Susie the doctor or Susie the scuba diver, it always starts in her house with with Susie the doctor. Ty falls out of bed, he's got a headache and he's not feeling well. So she finds things, her dressing gown and so on, become uh, the doctor's uniform and she becomes the doctor and looks after the kids. And it's all about imagination, imaginative play. So the the beds, the hospital beds that they, the patients are in are actually old shoe boxes. You can see that there, they're yeah, yeah. aligned along the floor, they're shoe boxes. That is imaginative play that I used to do when I was a kid. So I had my dressing gown and I was given a, a toy stethoscope and I used to make beds for all the, the toys out of shoe boxes. So um, this is my story to a certain extent. And I did this with um, Random House many, many years ago. But the whole idea with this was to have a bedtime story for the kids, but to get them involved in imaginative play. And then at the back of each book, we had activities that people could, you know, cut out or turn boxes into masks or into a, so cool. a a car or, you know, that kind of thing. I love the one with the scuba diver. That was a couple of old Coke bottles that um, we suggested that you strap onto your back or, you know, big, big um, cardboard tubing and mm. create a scuba diving pack and stuff like that. <laughs> so do you have like yeah, a, but, a, a vault of ideas that just kind of sit there ready for yeah. when you need to take them out? Yep, definitely, definitely, because... Uh, both my husband and I are great ideas people. So there's a every now and then I flick through things. I go, oh wow, and things might have morphed. So ideas that I had prior to Susie's world that I've looked back on and gone, oh wow, that kind of morphed and became part of that without that my actually realizing it. Or um, like the song books and the ideas that I've got coming up. Or, or um, I released getting kids to play games. I've released. Um, sets of elastics on my um, shop page and knuckle bones and just before um, or in lockdown or just before Christmas actually they really took off Hilary Barry had done a, a little video on jumping in elastics promoting a young child's elastics she was selling homemade elastics mm. and they typed elastics New Zealand and up popped my shop and I sold thousands of the jolly things before Christmas and it wasn't until we looked back um, during the holiday break that I went, oh, wow, I actually had the idea to do that back in you and me days. But it's something that got put on the back burner. I never got around to doing because it wasn't the quite right age group either. Um, that you go, oh, wow. And it's kind of come about through my radio show and going, I want some prizes that I can send out to kids that are and I started making them on my own sewing machine <laughs> and then I put them on my shop because people said oh where can we get these and so I put them on my shop and I was making a few every weekend and then it got to the stage where it was building and um, schools have ordered 10 or 20 of them at a time and we had to outsource our our production but um, you look back and you go oh wow that that was a gem of an idea that I had 20 years ago and it's morphed into this. So, yeah, it's it's interesting to see what's in the vault and what I can now do with it, yeah. But you've got to find the time and the energy to do it. I agree. But you seem yeah. to be very good at it. <laughs> You've been doing it for a long time, so... Oh, yes, I have. <laughs> yes, second nature it is. <laughs> yes, exactly. <laughs> 
cool. Well, hey, I'll, I'll wrap up there. This has been so amazing, Susie. Thank you so much for doing this. Oh, thanks for the opportunity. It's been lovely to chat. Yeah, yeah. So you're on pretty much every social media channel. Um, yep, you, pretty much. Yep, you're yeah. on TikTok. I didn't know you were on TikTok, so I'll follow you. Oh, well, I'll have to do a new dance then. <laughs> <laughs> no pressure. <laughs> uh, only if you do one too. Oh, I can do one, yeah. It'll look terrible. Yeah, okay. Yeah. One of my podcasts that, just went, of went viral recently on TikTok. So, um, oh, brilliant. Yeah, yeah. It's weird how that works. TikTok is a weird phenomenon. Very, yeah. very much so. Cool. All right. Well, that's the show, everyone. Make sure you share, like, and subscribe. Support Susie. If you have a, a child, get them a book from or Susie. E yeah, or even <laughs> if you just want a blast from the past. Auntie yes. Susie's always there. Yeah. <laughs> On YouTube, you can find you and me and Susie's World. It's all there if you want that nostalgia. <laughs> yeah or tune in to hear my voice on a on a saturday or sunday morning on one of the radio shows so go, go to suzy.co.nz and you'll find a link to everything there okay great cool awesome all right thank you Ray. no worries all right stay safe everyone until next time see you see you later it's time to say goodbye <laughs> <laughs> see you see you later i've really got to fly all oh, right nice one. love it yay yeah. Okay. <laughs> See you later, everyone. Cool.